Okay, today, um, because I don't think four hours of neuro is, is going to be beneficial for anyone, but um, we try to do something about it. Anyway, we're going to have another quiz, because what we need to do is go over the type of question you're going to have on you have, okay? This is very important. What to answer? What to think about this or the other situation in neurology? Okay? So, today uh, we're going to talk about these infectious disorders. And for many of you, this is not very new because you have been answering questions from these, um, uh, what is the name? Rainbow. And maybe you, you, you need the explanation or something like this, but uh, you are not totally, you know, unfamiliar with this, right? So meningitis, and we know I this suffix. What is this? Inflammation. And menings, meninges. Okay, meninges. And again, meninges are what? Membranes that protect and cover, cover and protect the brain and the spinal cord, the central nervous system, and some uh, peripheral nerves, like the case, I mean, so-called peripheral nerves, like in the case of the cranial number three, number two, and number one. Okay, let's say the tracks and so. Um, how many meninges we have? Ah, the spinal cord, of course. And it's the three of them are present, are present in, in the brain and in the spinal cord. And of course, the meninges, mainly the dura mater, the dura mater is the one making one. The fat cerebri, the tentum cerebellum, okay, all of this, all of this, the fat cerebri that separates uh, the brain into hemisphere and so on. Then, how, what is the name of the meninges? Let's start inside out, round and round, okay? So, 
let's say here we have the brain substance. This is the brain substance. Okay, brain substance. It's a brain. Okay. Then uh, stick on the brain. Following Sulkai and Jirai, we're gonna have the first one. Okay? Inside out, remember, this is a Pia Maru. Okay? Pia Maru. Are we good? Then we're gonna have, we're gonna have what? Uh, the breaching veins, right? Okay, um, matter over here, covering the substance of the brain, oh, green here, too many colors, okay, then we have over here, right, we have This is what? <laughs> Bless you. And uh, let me give give you another. This is much better because in this way we know that. I mean. So the second is which one? Iraq. Aragnoid. Okay, and what is this? Subaragnoid space, right? So, via matter, then let me go up, subaragnoid space, then we have aragnoid. Okay. And then we have uh, kind of another color. Oh, here. Another color here. Another color. And then we have. Uh, I don't have any more color, but sort of over here, you know, and we have a bone, and we have a bone here, right? A bone of the cranium. So, subaragnoid space. And we have the granulation over here because in subaracnoid space we have breaching veins. And in the granulation we're going to do what? Reabsorption of cerebrospinal fluid. Yes or no? Yes. Circulation, reabsorption of cerebrospinal fluid and subaracnoid space. And then between the arachnoid and the dura mater, we're going to have what? What space? You don't, you don't see it, but we have this. Okay? Sub-dural space. 
right? And what is the layer over here? What is the layer? Dura matter. What layer? The meningeal or inner layer. Yes, meningeal layer of dura. Dura matter. Okay? So, we have immediately another layer that is what layer? Periosteal layer or outer layer of dura mater. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, the periosteal layer. And then we have what? The epidural space or what? What is the other name? Extradural space between the bone and the periosteal layer of the meninges of the dura mater. So, what is what is the blood vessel we're gonna have there? Essentially, middle meningeal artery. And here we have the bridging bridging veins, right? just to talk about meninges. And the same meninges are gonna cover what? The spinal cord, right. okay? The spinal cord. Some meninges layer I'm gonna finish before, at the conus terminalis, okay? Some more I'm gonna finish at the phylus terminalis and all of this. But essentially, those are the meninges. So meningitis, what is this? Inflammation, infection of the meninges. Okay? Is the, remember, it's protection of the brain. So, if the infection stays there and doesn't go across the meninges and enter into the brain, we are pretty good. Right? We are pretty good. I mean, not so good, but a little bit better. Okay, then the worst works. So we're gonna have a look at this alteration, this infection. Professor, why Ray syndrome is here? Because this is an encephalopathy. I don't have another place to place uh, Ray syndrome. Okay, so it's very important to know what medication we are not going to use never ever in a pediatric patient. Pediatric patient. Salicylates. I'm not telling you that the pediatric patient is the only one that is gonna develop right syndrome. I ask you a question, I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't have money. <laughs> Guys, yeah, <laughs> 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 
Let me, sorry for that, but it's necessary. It's for your sake. When it's for your sake, of course. ¿Qué hago aquí ahora? I want him here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys. So, uh, meningitis. Inflammation of the meninges with, you know, a lot of things more. But caused by what? Caused by bacteria. Can be caused by viruses. Can be caused by fungus. Yes, fungal infection. Okay. And uh, bacteria meningitis is, uh, is, uh, is a very bad news. Okay, it's considered an emergency. And needs to be treated right away. Okay. So, um, normally, these pathogens, like Streptococcus pneumonia, or Neisseria meningitis, or Staphylococcus aureus, okay, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, or Listeria monocytogenes, or Streptococcus, you know, Agalactiae, they are you know, they cannot cross the blood-brain barriers. But when the virulence of these bacteria and the status of the immune system is damaged and the virulence overcome the possibilities to stop this, uh, you know, infection, is when this happens, okay? For example, a patient that uh, received a transplant of a solid organ, like in the case of kidney transplant or liver transplant, okay, and is taking immunosuppressor medication, these patients are susceptible to get infected, okay? Asplenia, or born without spleen, or lose the spleen for an accident, for example, because this little one was uh, involved in an accident, and they don't have any spleen, these permit the, you know, the infection to be, to take, to, to, to take over the immune system. And of course, during infection, we're gonna have an increase of this permeability, and that's why the different etiology, different pathogen, pathogens uh, presents depending the age of the patient, okay? We know that an extreme in, in ages, uh, infections can appear more, like in a very immature immune system in little one, and a declining system in an older adult, right? And on top of this, you need to add what? A person that is immuno-incompetent. Immuno-incompetent, okay? The portal of entry to this, uh, you know, uh, bacteria, these pathogens, is uh, generally 
the upper respiratory tract. Okay, is the upper res respiratory tract that are gonna go into the bloodstream. When bacteria go into the bloodstream, this is known as a bacteremia, bacteremia, and invade across the brain blood barrier and uh, damage the meninges. Okay, so. Not only that, you, you can find, for example, in uh, infective endocarditis, how we can see a metasta metastatic infection go to the brain as well, right? It's one of the complications of the infective endocarditis. Remember that? Okay. Oh, Siri. Okay, or it could be because maybe the person was instrumented, like a lumbar puncture, okay, and then I give you an infection, improper technique and so, or maybe you had a surgery, or maybe you had a fracture in your school, or in the, in the vertebral column, with rupture of the dura mater, okay? Or maybe you have uh, an infection in the face, okay? Remember this triangle? So we can have a meningitis from this very close infection, sinusitis, an abscess in the mouth, right? A shunt. That is used in, in person that I have in this hydrocephalus. So this chunk is placed in the third ventricle and uh, under the skin is, you know, moving into the uh, peritoneal cavity or pleural cavity, okay? Cochlear implants, those are very important because every time is more and more they use, okay? In the person that are, uh, you know, they have a, a problem with the audition, okay? They are auditory impaired or deaf. You see what I'm saying? Okay? So a cochlear implant because they need to open a hole in what bone, guys? In the petrous portion of the temporal bone. And this bone inside is covered by what? By the dura mater. Make sense? See. Okay. Intracerebral pressure monitors. The one that we use in, in uh, ICU to measure or monitor the intracranial pressure after an accident or after you had a massive surgery, of course, through this device, you can have as well an entrance of infection. Patients that are ventilated for a long time, what happened in patients that are ventilated for a long time? Huh? This is a big source of infection, and mainly one infection. What is the, the etiology of this? No. 
Pseudomonas originals, for example. Make sense? Okay? So it's sort of the same, right? The most common, uh, you can say, the most common etiology or the most common pathogen that produce sinusitis is mentioned to be which one? Huh? Staphylococcus aureus. Okay? What is the most common uh, cause or the most common pathogen for a middle otitis media? Streptococcus? Pneumonia. Here you go. Okay, so look at these kind of things. They are very close to the meninges of the brain, right? They can be a causative or a cause of developing of bacterial meningitis. So three main mechanisms. Colonization of the nasopharynx, bacteremia, and invasion of the central nervous system. Localized sores as infections, abscess, you know, direct entry, contiguous infection, like in the case of otitis media, okay, the sinuses, problem in the eye, okay, a periorbital or more than that, retroorbital cellulitis. Do you remember that one? Okay, how the ophthalmic vein drain where? <laughs> Don't you remember that? that I, I told you. Oh, you need to remember these signs. Cavernous sinuses. The cavernous sinuses. Okay. So, and of course, instrumental, uh, you know, way to generate this infection. What are the organisms? Neisseria meningitis, all ages, mainly in patients that uh, live in dormitories, for example, overcrowded places. Okay because, or they don't have a vaccine, they didn't receive a vaccine, for example, they makes them susceptible. They are the, who are the one in these dormitories and all of this? College people, university study. Military. And the military, very well. Okay, this is Neisseria meningitis, it's terrible. We're gonna talk about this uh, Stop and talk about infection, uh, meningococcemic uh, disease, or meningococcus meningitis. Okay? So, streptococcus pneumonia. Okay? Oh, the portal of entry for Neisseria is as well the nasopharynx. Streptococcus pneumonia, as well the nasopharynx, uh, direct extension by school fractures continue or proximity of the infection in the case of sinuses, in the case of uh, otitis media, for example, okay? As well, what is the predispos uh, predisposing condition? All the conditions that predispose this pneumococcal uh, bacteremia, 
are, for example, this person that um, were fighting the boxers and they have a fracture of the cribriform plate. This is an entrance, right? You are you're leaking what? CSF. You're leaking CSF, and this is a portal of entry, and you have the nasal pharynx. I mean, the nasal cavity just there. Okay, this is a portal of entry. Um, defects of the, of course, the <laughs> fracture of the cranial base. Here you go. During a fraction of a, of a cranial base, what, what are we going to have? We're going to have otorrhea, right? We see how we lose cerebrospinal fluid through the, the ear because we have a solution of continuity of the dura mater. So we have a leakage of cerebrospinal fluid. Here you go. Okay? As well, defects of the ear ossicle. In the case of Mondini defect, what do we have? A little hole over there. Okay? A little hole that communicates. So we can have on top of this an acute or an otitis media and the pathogen could be streptococcus, and here you go. We're gonna develop this uh, meningitis. Maybe you have this defect all your life, but your immune system is aligned, is working very well, okay? So, Listeria monocytogenes is through the gastrointestinal tract and can cross the blood placenta barrier, okay, as well. Older adults and neonates. What is one of the things you're going to tell the pregnant woman? Do not eat what? Do not eat soft cheese. Do not eat leftover. And do not eat Asian food, right? Why? Because the high risk of Listeria monocytogenes infection, okay? And uh, uh, a newborn can just see the light with a meningitis produced by Listeria, okay? Another thing that is uh, of, of a predisposed condition, defects in the cell-mediated immunity. What is that? Cell-mediated. We have two types of these uh, uh, cell mediated and and humoral mediated. Humoral mediated is through B cells, also known as A, when they result activated plasma cells. They are the one producing one immunoglobulins, right? So T cells defect. What is the case? We don't have a school for the T cell. Who tell me? Absent of what gland? No thymus. No thymus. Like in the case of D. George syndrome, for example. Okay? You don't develop what? Cellular immunity. Okay? Uh, Glucocorticoids, 
taking a lot of glucocorticoids, uh, renal transplant, in the case of pregnancy, in the case of liver disease, in the case of alcoholism, any kind of malignancy. And in this table, you have everything summarized. The only thing we are missing here is the treatment that I have another table for you. Okay? Coagulase negative, staphylococci, foreign body. What are those? What are those? Surgery, chunks, uh, cochlear implant, for example. Okay, these chunks that drain the extra amount of cerebrospinal fluid from the ventricle to the pleural space or peritoneal space, okay? Staphylococcus aureus, bacteremia via bacteremia invasion on crossing the blood-brain barrier, uh, foreign bodies as well, and through breakage of the skin, okay? All ages, endocarditis, endocarditis, surgery of foreign body, surgery and foreign body, Okay, even the um, spinal cord surgery. Okay, cochlear implant, all of this. Ventricular drains, cellulitis, the cubitus ulcer of the cubitus. And you can see a meningitis in this elderly patient bed bound that present differently than in the young adult. It's another thing that we have to have in mind when you're checking this older patient, okay? Not only this one, the one that uh, went over a motor vehicle accident, a motor vehicle, <laughs> that's why he came. I cannot keep this worry in my mind. Okay. Yay! Later. 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 Okay, guys, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Okay, so grand negative. Grand negative. Okay, grand negative bacilli. Older adults and neonates, advanced medical condition, severe ill patient, at the end of, you know, medical condition, neurosurgery, after neurosurgery, ventricular drain. You see how ventricular drain are very, makes the person very susceptible to get infected, okay? And disseminated strongyloidiasis. What is that? Strongyloidis tercularis is a parasite. But it's okay. I mean, it's an old cause. And all the adults and neonates. Hemophilus influenzae. This diminish a lot. Why is that? As well as Neisseria meningitis. Because we have what? Vaccines. Diminish a lot. But still happens, okay? Nasopharynx, contiguous uh, spread infection from the 
the sinuses from the one second class in infants for uh, for uh, otitis media is what Amophilus influenzae. You see how things that you learn already coming over here, so you know a lot, okay? And of course, diminish humoral immunity. Ah, this is different. This is different. Maybe this person was or received a vaccine and couldn't produce this amount of, you know, antibodies this person needs. Okay, we have an impairment of the humoral immunity and this kind of patient are more susceptible to develop this kind of infection. Make sense? Huh? Or a patient didn't receive a vaccine. No, no, I mean, uh, um, not against this uh, Haemophilus influenzae or Neisseria meningitidis. Okay? Here you go. So the mortality rate, rate here in the Haemophilus influenzae B and the group B, group B streptococcus, the three from three to seven percent. Okay? In the case of streptococcus pneumonia, 20%, and meningitis in the state, 13% overall. This is a little bit of, um, you know, epidemiology with this. The most common, we have, we have it in here. Okay? Crowding, communal environment, okay? Um, neurosurgical hardware, we, we talk about all of this already. Diabetic patient, don't forget that, diabetic patient as well, okay? Patient with any autoimmune disease can develop this infection as well, okay? What we need to do, um, we need to ask about a recent infection, we need to um, ask about recent exposure. Does anyone is having something like you have? Okay, because at the end of the day, you need to do something with this group of people that is known as a chemical prophylaxis. In the presence of Neisseria meningitis, for example, we need to do a chemical prophylaxis using what? Antibiotic, okay? Injection drug use. These patients that are using and sharing needles, heroin injection, right? And together with these uh, meningitis, maybe they are having what? Infective endocarditis. Make sense? Okay? So infective endocarditis and then meningitis, okay? Otorrhea, rhinorrhea, recent head trauma, recent surgery, recent travel to endemic places for this uh, uh, etiological agent, okay? Key diagnostic factors, guys, headache, 
meningism. Okay? Because the pulse present in the meninges, what is going to give you as well as the blood that is not in the inside the blood vessels? Irritation of the meninges. So, meningism. And do you remember that we have, have this in mind, remember that we have the same meningeal layers in the spinal cord, okay? Because this is the foundation of Kearney and Brzezinski maneuvers. Don't forget that point. So, meningism is stiffness of the neck, okay? Your neck is painful. You cannot bend the neck because it's so painful. Okay, this is uh, the nuchal rigidity. It's a classic sign of meningitis. Okay, 30% in children, 87% in adults. Meningitis, bacteria meningitis, okay? And fever, 77%. They're gonna have fever. All the adults uh, with uh, bacteria meningitis. In the case of older adults, maybe you don't see fever, okay? But you're gonna see uh, some other focaliz neurological focalization, okay? What else you're gonna find? Tachycardia, together with the fever, altered mental status in some patient. But I want you to pay attention to this detail. You can see a patient that is lethargic that you talk to the patient, wake the patient up, and the patient is answering to you, okay? Uh, maybe the patient is a little bit confused, but it's not having any uh, personality changes. Understand what I'm saying? No personality changes. Why? Because this is a main differential diagnosis with encephalitis. And another thing that is interesting is that in medicine, remember, everything has its own tone of color. So, it's one of the things we can use for a differential diagnosis respect to encephalitis, but sometimes everything just overlap. And it's very difficult to present a pure diagnosis. Understand what I'm saying here, guys? Okay? Just open your eyes because it's not like oh, this is this and this is that. But it's interesting that you need to know these uh, differential diagnoses. Okay? So we're going to have an altered mental status. Depending the degree of the infection, you can see a neurological focalization. Depending, this is an extreme situation delirium in the case of senior citizens, you know, because infections, they push them to suffer from delirium. And normally coma in extreme cases, and normally the Glasgow coma scale is gonna be in 14, and the maximum is 15, okay? So we have a, a person that responds when you call the person and so, normally, okay? Photophobia, of course, is irritated. The meninges are irritated, they are inflamed. So, uh, stand the light is not a good thing. Huh? Photophobia, headache, 
Okay, what type of headache? Is a permanent headache? Is a headache that radiates to the neck? Okay, together with photophobia. Sore back. Why sore back, guys? Why? The meninges. Beautiful. Cranial nerve pulses, but not in every case. Depend. Okay? If we have a meningococcal, a meningococcal meningitis, what is meningococcal meningitis? The one produced by Neisseria meningitis. Okay? This is the one that is known as a meningococcal meningitis. We're gonna see a reaction that is known as a vasculitis and you see petechial rashes that they're gonna go in the extremities and then in the trunk and then you can see this in the, uh, in the eyes and you can see this in the, in the throat Okay, in the oral mucosa, you, you can see this uh, petechia all over, okay? And of course we have a compromise in, you know, ischemia in the limbs, not only in the legs or in the, at the level of the toes, but in the hands as well, okay? This is a kind of reaction by enterotoxin, uh, neurotoxins uh, vasculotoxins from, from the Neisseria meningitis. So, what are the maneuvers we're going to perform? We have the Kernick sign. Uh, with your patient in supine, you're going to uh, grab the leg, okay, and bend the leg at the level of the knee and at the level of the hip, and in this position, you're going to try to extend the leg. What happened? We have an irritation of many inches, right? right? So the nerves that when, when you extend the leg, the nerves that result irritated for this maneuver are the, the nerves that innervating the muscle in the leg that flex the knee, the, the knee. Which one are those? The hamstrings, okay? This is the mechanism of curling. Um, yeah. So, this is the one. Brudzinski, what is that? Grab the head of the patient and for this one, and this is positive, of course, we need to make sure that the patient has not any problem in the cervical spine to practice Brudzinski, right? Then we're going to grab the head and flex, try to flex the bend the, the neck, and what is going to happen? The hamstring, by the same mechanism, I'm going to contract, and the hip and the knees are going to flex, and it's painful. Could be, I mean, uh, the patient is going to complain of pain in the neck or pain in the back, both, or both, okay? And this is a positive one. Uh, remember the Schwarzman reaction? This one is the one that we see with the petechial suffusion and so. Uh, Neisseria meningitis is a gram-negative enteric bacteria, okay? 
and uh, as well, we have um, a complication that can happen after that if if you succeed with the treatment and so, uh, you can see cranial nerve palsies. Uh, you can see the patient evolving to uh, septic shock. Okay, elevated intracranial pressure, uh, transtentorial herniation. That's why it's so important <clears throat> when when you perform the physical exam in the patient. Uh, go and perform a fundoscopic exam in order to rule out what? Papilledema. Because papilledema is telling you that what? We have an elevated intracranial pressure. If this is happening, you need to just wait to perform a lumbar tap. Just wait to perform a lumbar tap. Start treating your patient because the clinical is telling you that your pa patient is having a meningitis in an empiric way and obtain a CT of the head, okay? Later on, you can have a lumbar tap, obtain the cerebrospinal fluid, and send the cerebrospinal fluid to be analyzed in the lab. Understand? Okay, this is very important. Okay? Um, the mortality is, is huge, as you see. Subdural effusion, uh, this amount of pus, you know, just stay in the subdural space. And on top of this, we can see in some cases abscess, brain abscess, when the, the bacteria uh, reaches the parenchyma, the brain parenchyma. And as well, we can see compromising blood circulation and have an infarction in the area. Hydrocephalus, because this granulation results back, or the ventricles result damage, and we don't have a good circulation of the cerebrospinal fluid. Understand? Stroke, hemiparesis, okay? Disseminated intravascular, uh, clotting can happen, mainly in the case of Neisseria meningitidis. And you know what is going to happen when you have a meningococcemic disease together with this um, um, uh, meningococcus meningitis? Uh, free, water Friedrichian syndrome happens. Okay? Water Friedrichian syndrome is. Uh, Destruction of the what? Adrenal glands. Okay, adrenal glands. It's one of the. It's another complication over here. Okay, and and let me tell you, it's a terrible, terrible meningitis, the one produced by Neisseria. Of course, you're gonna do the blanching, and we know that. When we do blanching, petechia doesn't blanch, stay the way it is, right? This is the way of presentation. We have uh, in neonates, porphyrin, apnea, lethargy, bulging fontanelle, and nuchal rigidity. This is not often seen, 
but the botching fontanelle, yes. Okay, nuclear rigidity is not very often seen in neonates. Okay, hypothermia, irritability, uh, they don't eat properly. Altered mental status, confusion, photophobia, vomiting, seizures, abnormal eye movement, fo focal neurological deficit in some cases, and rash in the case of uh, meningococcus, meningitis, papilledema, and papilledema is telling you that we have an elevated intracranial pressure, kernic and Brzezinski signs are gonna be positive, okay? Uh, this, we have the, the two groups, the neonates, the neonates in bacterial meningitis. Bacterial meningitis, remember, is an emergency. An emergency, we need to admit the patient, start treating the patient right away. Mortality rates in neonates, 20%. E. coli, gram-negative rods. A streptococcus agalacti, that's why it's so important to monitor the vaginosis in the bacteria vaginosis in the lady, the pregnant lady that is gonna deliver naturally. Okay. So long-term sequelae, blindness, deafness, seizures, hydrocephalus, learning disabilities, attention, uh, disorders, okay? In children, pneumococcus, meningococcus, uh, Weizmann uh, reaction with meningitis, meningococcus meningitis, Hemophilus influenzae, uh, less than 10%, you know, the colonize the nasopharynx and go to the brain and so, and uh, the classic triad that is what? Fever, headache and nuclear rigidity. Ah, yeah, photophobia you can see, but it's fever, headache, and nuclear rigidity, plus more or less maybe stupor or lethargy, okay? So um, we need to think about viral etiology as well, and uh, hydrocephalus and learning disability together with ADD could happen, okay? Di differential diagnosis of the bacterial, all of these guys, viral meningitis, encephalitis, tuberculous meningitis, fungal meningitis, all of them, drug-induced, okay? Drug-induced meningitis like uh, the use of uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, for example. And uh, all of these, Bactrim use, amoxicillin, ranitidine, cerebrospinal um, fluid is gonna show a neutrophilic pleocytosis, okay? And this is gonna be solved when the medication that is producing this problem stop, okay? Another thing that I can tell you is a chemical meningitis produced by, uh, when you're gonna perform a lumbar tap, you clean the area with, you know, iodine or with alcohol, and you don't let this area to dry properly. 
Then you're dragging in this chemical into the cerebrospinal fluid, and here we go, a chemical meningitis, okay? All the differentials we need to have in mind, the Rocky Mountain spotted fever, West Nile encephalitis, bacterial endocarditis, Lyme disease, of course, intracranial mass, any tumor, okay? A brain abscess for other causes, seizure disorder, and subarachnoid hemorrhage. Okay, diagnostic test. We have a bunch of them. Lumbar puncture, of course. If we have an increase in intracranial pressure, no, no, no. We're gonna wait and start with empiric antibiotic. Are we good? Early antibiotic use, increasing the survival rate of bacterial meningitis, okay? So it's important for us to start as soon as possible, okay? If we, if we are suspicious that this person is having an elevated intracranial pressure, CT scan, okay? Then when the time comes, we can perform a lumbar tap, okay? So, uh, remember, papilledema, one of the neurological manifestations of increased, increased cranial um, intrapressure, intracranial pressure, increased intracranial pressure is what? Papilledema is going to be abnormal level of consciousness, projectile vomiting as well. Okay? So, Sometimes the, the opening pressure, opening pressure is when you perform a lumbar tap, but you need to have uh, a level to measure this opening pressure. What is the normal six to 25 centimeters of water? This can be done as well in, in a millimeter of mercury, but uh, this is good, okay? What are we gonna find as well? Decreased glucose, increased cells, increased white blood cells, mostly the presence of neutrophils, right? And increased protein, why is that? Glucose, because bacteria feed off glucose, right? So we don't have glucose, almost glucose. Increased white blood cell, because uh, it's the the line of the first line of defense, right? Here we go, a natural way to defend ourselves against uh, infection. An increased protein because the breakdown of everything by the bacteria, okay? Frontal sinusitis, empyema, abscess formation with bacterial meningitis can happen. Acute bacterial meningitis, look at this di dilatation of the uh, ventricle is a ventriculomegaly, okay? This, this is an acute bacterial meningitis as well, okay? This is the way we're gonna measure the open, opening pressure. Remember, the lumbar tap is performed between L3, L4, okay, L4, L5. In uh, children, needs to be done at the level of L5-S1, 
because the conus terminalis is not at the level of L1, L2 yet. Okay? So, and this is the open impression normal values in pediatric patient and in adult, adult patient. Okay? So, if you look at the opening pressure of a patient tomorrow in the lab that is more than, than 25, let's say it's 27 or something, you know that something is not uh, normal over there, okay? So, um, what else we need to do? Polymerase chain reaction. Okay, polymerase chain reaction. Expensive, but it's gonna let you know what is the bug or what is the etiological agent uh, giving you. Of course, a result uh, in what to do respect to the treatment. But, guys, uh, normally this is, you need to just the patient arrive in and you need to send this over because once you start, the treatment with antibiotic, uh, the result is not gonna be the one you expect, okay? So uh, this is much better for vital meningitis. Multiplex PCR, because this one is super expensive, but it's gonna permit you to know for uh, Neisseria meningitis, for streptococcus pneumonia, hemophilus influenzae infection mainly. Uh, CRP, C-reactive protein, this happens in every infection uh, around in the body. Uh, elevated mainly in patients with bacterial meningitis. Okay. And latex agglutination test is another one. Detects uh, bacterial antigens of common pathogens is the one we're gonna perform as well. Procalcitonin, the sensitivity is 99% and specificity is 83%. And this is gonna help us to distinguish between bacterial and viral, okay? Over here we have a typical cerebrospinal fluid for every central nervous system infection, okay? And the normal value are at the at the bottom over here, okay? More common, bacterial meningitis over here, the glucose is gonna be diminished, less than 10. And what is the normal one? Over here. Higher than 0 0.6 millimole per liter, and so on. Okay, protein, total white blood uh, cell count. But if you have a lot of protein reading this table, at the end, we have that table as well with all the information you want to see. Respect to tuberculosis, respect to bacterial or viral meningitis. Okay, over here. Okay, the color, the opening pressure, the white blood cells, the differential, if it's any red blood cells, the protein and the glucose. So this one is complete. Uh, take 10 minutes, please. Sorry for that.
Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, Chris. Oh, oh, good, guys? All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. meningitis, look at the, the um, you know, vascular alteration, the vasculitis that this uh, uh, etiological agent produces. Another thing that is important, guys, remember, Hemophilus influenza type B used to be the first cause of meningitis in children but because the vaccine just moved to the second, okay? But you need to look at your question, okay? Look at your question, because maybe it's a mother that doesn't want a vaccine for the little one, okay? The main, of course, the most common cause is what, what, what cause? What is the etiological agent? Streptococcus pneumonia. Okay, but in, in the case of um, otitis media, okay, in the case of otitis media, if we, um, if we have a question about the conti I mean contiguous area of infection, okay? So, and this is the petechial rash. Um, Areas with uh, frequent epidemics of meningococcal meningitis, okay, it's just for you to have in mind, uh, this is from 2012, from up to date, but if we go to CDC, I think this map is going to change a little bit, 
okay? Uh, this is the meningitis belt. Sorry? From any animals? No. No. Yeah. Human to human. Okay? Human to human. Okay. So, the first thing we need to do is what? Start the antibiotics. Okay? Choose by antibiotics that are bactericidal versus bacteriostatic. Example, penicillin is bactericidal, Bactrim or sulfas are what? Bacteriostatic. Bacteriostatic antibiotics, they stop the, the, the reproduction of bacteria. Okay, stop the amount of bacteria reproducing. And uh, bactericidal, they do what? Break down the cell wall of bacteria. Now, let me tell you, because it's, it's what uh, is, is used nowadays. In the past, because I had the opportunity to treat, uh, you know, cases before this new, uh, you know, approach, we used to use a bacteriostatic first in order to reduce, I mean, first is one hour of difference, okay? In order to reduce the amount of bacteria, and then we use a bactericidal. Why is that? Or why was that? Together, of course, with the steroid. Why was that? Because if you reduce the amount of bacteria that, that is in the, in the stream, you have less possibilities to the releasing of toxin and produce a toxic shock, okay? But they go now with bactericidal, and then uh, if it's necessary, they combine with bacteriostatic and so on. The drug we choose, they need to be able to penetrate the blood-brain barrier, okay? Complications if we don't treat the patient right away, and so complications. Uh, one of the complications, the main one is, is elevate the intracranial pressure. Now, meningococcal meningitis is a reportable condition in all states. You don't need to wait more than 24 hours, you need to report this immediately, okay? And not only that, locate the closest contact and start giving prophylactic antibiotics. And after January 2013, unspecified bacterial, fungal, and aseptic viral meningitis are no longer reportable, okay? Ah, uh, it's a medical emergency, of course. We need to admit to ECU, ICU. We need to establish uh, a line and start giving fluids and antibiotics intravenously. There is no such a thing of oral antibiotics to treat meningitis. Are you listening to me? Okay, good.
okay? If we have an increase in tracranial pressure, elevate the, the bed of the patient, the head of the, the bed, to 30 to 45 degree. If it's necessary, we, if it's necessary and the intracranial pressure start or continue elevated and so, we will need to intubate and hyperventilate the patient in order to uh, reduce the, the arterial pressure of CO2 to, you know, 20 to 30 millimeter of mercury. Use mannitol. Mannitol is what? What type of diuretic? It's an osmotic diuretic. And we can use mannitol together with a loop diuretic, furosemide. Why? Because mannitol is going to uh, train, you know, the mainly or desiccate this, this edema, the brain edema properly, and diuretic is going to move the fluids down. Understand? They have two uses. Okay? And of course, we need to uh, place an intracranial pressure device to monitor the intracranial pressure. So we need to treat the, the shock in this patient, right? With all of this, okay? With all of this. So uh, that's why sometimes using this uh, bactericidal first, we're gonna see the lipo-oligosaccharide uh, substance that is part of the, who study uh, microbiology? All of you. It's part of the bacterial cell wall, right? And this, this product behaves as a toxin so here we have a toxic shock after the use of these. Uh, I mean, it's, it's terrible because you don't have another option, okay? We're gonna treat this anyways. And if we have a toxic shock, we know that hypotension is gonna happen. Hypotension is no good, right? Diminish the perfusion, diminish the antibiotic, reaching the places where the antibiotics need to work on, diminish the perfusion with uh, rich oxygen blood, and so on. How are we going to treat this uh, bacterial meningitis? Uh, less than a month age, okay, we, has, uh, we have the Streptococcus agalactiae, E. coli, and Listeria. Remember, Listeria is going to cross the, the uh, pla blood placenta, uh, blood, no, the placenta blood barrier, okay? So uh, we're gonna use, we're gonna use this antibiotic. Thank you, though, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Okay, look at this, guys. Ampicillin plus cephalotaxim. I know you're studying this in uh, in pharmacology now. Okay, 
or ampicillin, and you need to add what? An amino, amino glycoside. Madam, yes. give me an amino glycoside. <laughs> Gentomycin. Hey. Okay, guys. One to twenty-three months age. What is the most common, guys? This is important because this is gonna be in your questions. Ah, oh. nice. Ah. Oh. Uh -huh. Streptococcus pneumonia, Neisseria, Streptococcus agalactiae, Haemophilus influenza, and E. coli. E. coli is everywhere. Huh? What are we going to use? Vancomycin plus Ceftriaxone or Cefotaxin. Okay? Third generation cephalosporin. More than 50 years, new, streptococcus pneumonia, neisseria, listeria, aerobic gram-negative bacilli. Okay, what are we gonna use? Vancomycin plus ampicillin plus a third generation cephalosporin. Okay? and so on. If we have a basilar skull fracture, right? It's more common, it's most, uh, what are the etiological agents that can enter commonly? Streptococcus pneumonia, Haemophilus influenza, okay, group A, beta-hemolytic, uh, streptococci. What are we gonna use? Vancomycin and a third generation cephalosporin. A penetrating trauma. Penetrating trauma, Staphylococcus aureus coagulase negative, Staphylococci, um, um, Staphylococcus epidermidis, those Staphylococcus are normal one. Skin flora, right? Microbiota. Okay? They are normal on the skin, but not inside. Uh-huh. Aerobic grand negative including Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and we're going to use vancomycin plus cefepine, vancomycin plus ceftacidim, or vancomycin plus metopenin that can reach uh, Pseudomonas, okay? Post-neurosurgery, all of this, uh, Aerobic gram-negative bacilli, including pseudomonas, everything related to hospital or instrumentalization, all of these, uh, uh, you're going to see pseudomonas over there, right? So, and staphylococci, especially epididymitis, vancomycin plus cefepimene, vancomycin plus ceftazidime, or vancomycin plus metopenic. Immunocompromised patient, what are the most common uh, etiological agent? Streptococcus pneumonia, neisseria, listeria, 
aerobic gram-negative bacilli, including Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Vancomycin plus ampicillin plus cefepim or vancomycin with metopenin. So, metopenin, remember, is just covering for listeria. That is uh, so important. Okay. And uh, another thing that is very important is the use of dexamethasone. Dexamethasone is recommended in none of suspected streptococcus pneumonia. Okay? And in children with an infection with hemophilus. Um, starting uh, at least 15 minutes or 20 minutes before giving the antibiotic. Why is that? because you need to avoid the toxic shock, this lysis of the bacterial wall. Make sense? You want to avoid that part. Another thing that I have to tell you, if you're suspicious is nasaria, don't bother to use it. You don't need to use in dexamethasone, in uh, meningococcal meningitis. Okay, it's the only exception. What happened is, at the very beginning, you don't have in your hand what the etiological agent is, right? And then you can use the dexamethasone before the antibiotic, and you're good. If it's nasaria afterward, it's okay. You're going to stop the dexamethasone and continue the treatment. Understand? Yes? Can you still give this to patients? Sorry? Yes. Just stop. Stop the, the dexamethasone. You don't need to use it. Because it's not going to give you any any good uh, effect. Okay? Can you repeat it again? And remember what happened to glucocorticoid. Yes. Yes. Glucocorticoids respect to the, the, the vessels. What happened? Yes. And what Neisseria, mono, um, Neisseria um, oh, meningitis is, is doing? It's producing what? A vasculitis. A vasculitis. One of the effects of the infection with Neisseria is what? This petechia rash and all of this. So if you use an steroids, what are you doing? making it worse. No, you don't use that. Okay? So this is, this is foundational knowledge. Glucocorticoids effects in the body, what they do. Okay? You're using dexamethasone in the other, why? Because it's very good. I'm not telling you that it's no good against the toxin when you produce the, the broken, the, I mean, the burst of the cell walls in the bacteria is not because of that. It's because it's an additive effect to the vasculitis produced by the nasaria meningitis already. Got it? It's not, it's, it's understand this, guys? Are you sure? Yes, your question. No, I'm 
about the dexamethasone. Dexamethasone, yes. 20 minutes before starting antibiotic treatment in order to, you know, fight a little bit the toxic uh, shock produced by the lysis of the bacterial cell wall. Okay? Uh, of course, this reduced one, the inflammatory cascade. Yes or no? Reduce the inflammatory cascade if you use this dexamethasone. Okay? And fight the cerebral edema. The problem is, if it's Neisseria meningitis, you are adding a side effect to this vasculitis created by the bacterium, okay? Dexamethasone in every other bacterial mening meningitis, but Neisseria meningitis. Got it? In every other etiology of meningitis, but Neisseria meningitis. Of course, when you have the result. Remember, you need to start with the empiric antibiotics. Empiric antibiotic, 20 minutes before, but remember, you need to see your patient. Okay? Check your patient. Do a good physical exam. I have what? Fever, headache, and nuchal rigidity. And oh, you have this, tuku, 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 cardiac bronchitis positive, oh, no papilledema, I'm gonna start with the, my dexamethasone, this and that, and I'm gonna do the lumbar puncture and send it out. But you don't check the rest of the skin of your patient, and the patient is having already your petechial suffusion, you know? It's not good what you're doing. Dexamethasone is not gonna do any anything to this, but complicate the thing. That's why you need to do a good examination of your patient. Okay? Yes. Are we good? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So chemoprophylaxis regimes for protection against meningococcal disease. This is very important. You know, important, important? Yes. Very important. Where well, have you been? No, I live in a dorm in FIU, close to my home. Over there in, a, I don't know the name, close to Publix. Okay, refumping. Okay? Refamping in adults, uh, you don't need to know the dose. Please, I don't want anyone memorize the dose. You don't need that. Okay? Cyprofloxacin, ceftriaxone, okay? Alternative, if uh, we don't, we cannot use ceftriaxone or refamping, acetromycin. Acetromycin, or if the, this um, strain of Neisseria is resistant, 
Uh, okay. Acetromycin. The uh, rifampin is, you need to avoid this in pregnant women, guys. Okay? Don't use in pregnant women. Okay. Vaccines. It's much better to prevent, right? Um, uh, here we have the, the meningococcal vaccine for 11 to, through the 21 and from 16 through 23 years of age. Um, but you start vaccinating the population, the, you know, the pediatric population very early. Okay, even from two years of age to 23 months, 23 months to two years of age. So um, what happened, two to 23, uh-huh. What happened is, um, you're gonna have this in pediatrics, but for your information, um, there is some groups that, that needs to be vaccinated because they have an immunocompromise. And this is the one with little one that just born with some immunological problems and so. And you need to guarantee their protection, okay? Anyways. Um, Amophilus vaccine for those for children, this is very important, it's in the pants, okay? Uh, other, other person that can get vaccinated, for example, you're gonna travel to these uh, endemic areas, you, you can get your vaccine as well. Or if you, you have a patient that is, uh, is suffering from sickle cell anemia, for example, you can get the vaccine as well. Patient with HIV, diabetes, COPD, CRF, okay? Complement deficiency, all of this immunologic, um, immunological deficiency patient. Travelers to endemic region, if you're gonna travel to any place, college, student, because it's crowded, okay? They, they go to, uh, they live in a dormitory and and so, or they practice sports together, okay? A pneumococcal, strep pneumonia in the, in the little one, and in the senior, we know that we have the vaccine against the streptococcal pneumonia as well. <coughs> Seasonal incidence of viral CNS, because now we're gonna talk about this. Look at this. We have during the summer, we have during the winter, and we have at any season. But anyways, aseptic meningitis is everything else. Everything else, okay? Produce meningitis or cause meningitis etiology. Uh, viral is not only, is, I mean aseptic is not, is not only viruses, but as well, fungal infection, 
right? And uh, we're going to see this in, uh, in an immunocompetent adult patient in the majority of the cases, or in a patient that has been visiting areas of endemic problem with, uh, for example, West Nile virus, okay, that can give uh, viral meningitis and uh, is a complication that we need to treat right away, okay? Headache, fever, um, meningismus as well, uh, mild nuclear rigidity, we're gonna see malaise, myalgia, anorexia, uh, I mean, it's a systemic thing that varies a lot, okay? Abdominal pain, they can suffer from diarrhea as well, okay? So, the one produced by, oh my God, everything. By the Lyme disease, Borrelia, the one produced by the spotty uh, fever, the spotty fever, the one produced by, I mean, all of these, they, they can give you an aseptic meningitis. Uh, used to be a reportable disease, not anymore. Uh, the incidence is around 60,000 uh, to 75,000 cases per year. What are we gonna do? The cerebrospinal fluid analyze. We're gonna analyze the cerebrospinal fluid. What is gonna be the result? Um, you know, the glucose is going to be normal in this case for vital meningitis. Uh, we have this in, at the end, we have this table. The polymerase uh, chain reaction amplification of the viral nucleic acid is going to tell you which one is present. Uh, Viral culture that is very expensive but can help as well to determine what type of virus we have, what is the theology of this viral meningitis. Neuroimaging studies, they are not necessary just in case your patient is having a neurologic focalization or a neurologic alteration or something else. Most common uh, enteroviruses, Kosaki, um, you know, varicella zoster virus, herpes simplex 2, herpes vi bar virus, uh, Epstein-Var, and um, um, ticks-borne viruses, uh, HIV as well. Less common because herpes simplex virus 1 is more for encephalitis, okay? cytomegalovirus, mumps, and even Zika, okay? So this is in the case of viral uh, differential. What is the differential with the aseptic meningitis? Encephalitis, bacterial, drug-induced meningitis, tuberculosis meningitis, cryptococcal meningitis, coccidia meningitis, syphilis, all of these, okay? So, uh, how are you gonna treat this? Confirm viral agent other than uh, herpes virus, herpes simplex virus, or varicella zoster or cytomegalovirus. 
supportive care, hydration, antipyretics, antiemetics, and analgesia. Herpes simplex virus or varicella zoster confirm causative agent. We're gonna use foscarnet instead of acetic, acyclovir. Acyclovir because acyclovir um, resistant herpes simplex seven to ten days. Uh, we're gonna use this uh, therapy for seven to ten days. Cytomegalovirus confirmed causative agent. We're gonna use uh, supportive therapy antiviral uh, with ganciclovir, vodganciclovir, balanciclovir, uh, foscarnet, or cidofovir. This foscarnet and cidofovir, fovir, uh, are uh, considered second and third line of antiviral medication. Fungal infections. Uh, I'm going to mention this. One is the cryptococcal infection in the case of mainly in the population that are HIV positive. Okay. And uh, the coccidioidal uh, uh, infection as well is um, mainly these coccidioids in mitis is endemic in the southwestern United States and central most little complication of coccidiomycosis and uh, we need to see or we need to figure out immediately because we need to treat them very fast. Okay, so encephalitis, parenchyma, inflammation of the brain, parenchyma with neurologic fun dysfunction. What are we going to have in, in, in this situation? Altered state of consciousness, seizures, personality changes. Maybe the personality change is the first symptom of encephalitis, okay? Depending the causative agent as well. Cranial nerve palsies, uh, problem with the speech, and uh, we're going to see focalization of uh, neurological uh, situation, like uh, motor and sensory deficits. What happened here, we have a direct inflammation of the brain, right? Direct inflammation of the brain tissue. Um, in some cases, you don't identify the causative agent, but uh, in some other cases, Yes, uh, you, you, you can do that. And uh, herpes virus, mumps, chicken pox, for example, mumps in adults is complicated and can lead to uh, encep encephalitis, of course. If we have a complication with the spinal cord, Okay, we talk about encephalomyelitis. Okay, both cephalomyelitis. If we damage by continuity the spinal nerve, we can talk about encephalomyeloradiculitis as well. Okay, if the meninges are involved, 
we have a meningoencephalitis. See, everyone that is uh, appeared to be together in this infection is gonna be added, okay? So you have a summary here for remember these kind of things. Uh, remember I told you that sometimes they overlap and so, but questions are questions and you always are going to differentiate what you're asking in that question, right? But for life, remember that uh, they can overlap, okay? Of course, what is the main thing you're gonna see? The focalization, neurological focalization, and the alters in personality. Because remember, in bacteria, we can have one. Confusion, lethargy, fever, headache, all of these things together, okay? But we don't have personality changes, okay? What is the most common cause? Most common species is uh, herpes simplex virus in immunocompromised population, cytomegalovirus. And of course, we need to know that uh, rabies encephalitis is, is fatal. We don't come back from there. Uh, but you can find a list of survivors after uh, rabies encephalitis, okay? Herpes simplex virus one is the most common cause of encephalitis. And Arbos virus as well, that is spread by uh, mosquitoes, by pigs, and uh, other arthropods, okay? All viral infection, lymphocytic choreomeningitis. This is gonna be spread by mouse, by robins, okay? And uh, the portal of entry as well is the respiratory system, okay? The upper respiratory system. Viral encephalitis, uh, this one, um, I mean, in the case of HIV encephalopathy, uh, this can lead into uh, AIDS-related dementia. It's one of the last part of the evolution of the disease, okay? Some viruses, they don't go and infect the brain from the, the first. They go and uh, they trigger, that's why encephalitis is known as an immunologic disease, okay? It's, it's the, the disease of the immune system attacking the brain, okay? Resulting in these uh, para-infections of, of the post-infectious encephalitis. Uh, after one, chickenpox, measles, rubella, okay? And of course, uh, the spinal cord could be uh, as well affected. And in this case, it's gonna produce encephalomyelitis. Those are the viruses that are more common. Let me see if I can, uh, may I? Plus, uh, is uh, control plus, right? Okay, good. Oh. 
No, I cannot. I mean, uh, how I do this? Okay. How can I um, uh, zoom out? Um, zoom in, please. Oh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Guys, uh, this is for you to check when you have pediatrics, okay? Because this is a cause, major causes of aseptic meningitis in children. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what are the, the neurological on top of depressed level of consciousness that goes from uh, my lethargy to coma and death? Um, hallucinations, agitations, personality change, psychotic state, uh, generalized seizures. Um, this is a herpes simplex virus encephalitis over here. All of this inflammation. Um, and wherever the affection is more uh, acute or uh, higher, you can have a focalization, a neurological focalization from there, okay? Like a hemiparesis, or um, you can have a, a alteration of the sensory as well, okay? So all of these um, cranial uh, nerves manifestation like uh, um, cranial nerve, uh, facial pulses, cranial nerve number seven, uh, aphasia, ataxia, uh, involvement of the, of the cerebellum, uh, hypothalamus pituitary axis that lead to what? Hypothalamus, remember the switch and the uh, thermostat over there, dysregulation of the temperature, okay? Diabetes insipidus as well, one of the causes of diabetes insipidus. Um, you can see um, lesions like uh, symptoms of upper motor neuron and lower motor neuron uh, symptoms like, okay, uh, seizures as well. So um, when the spinal cord is going to be affected, the back pain at the site of the infection, a possible creation of abscess at this point, depending on which level. Um, remember the part of the body that is supplied by the spinal cord below is the one that is gonna result damage, okay? And the, you know, bowel and, and, and uh, Urinary uh, bladder can be altered as, as well. Rabies and cephalitis. Okay, rabies virus. Uh, this this uh, belong to a lysovirus genus. Is transmitted by animal virus by animal bites because the virus colonize the salivary glands, and when they go and bite you clean, it's, it's kind of cleaning the teeth in your skin. So the virus is gonna be deposited there and it's gonna travel 
and reach nerves and as well it's going to deposit in the salivary glands in human or other animal. Any warm blood animal can transmit rabies if they have uh, the virus, okay? It's, uh, in, the case of, in the case of dogs, those are the most popular to believe to transmit the rabies, okay? Uh, we have bats as well, raccoons, okay? More than possum, possum are not uh, rabies transmitters, okay? So, the classification, we're gonna have the encephalitic furious rabies. In this case, we're gonna see uh, this person having agitation, uh, you know, it's, it's a terrible one. Uh, this agitation is gonna alternate with uh, normal stages and then agitation again. Uh, Parasthesias, paralysis can happen. It's gonna damage the lenticular uh, nuclei, nucleus, uh, lenticular nuclei, okay? The lenticular nuclei that is uh, composed by which one? Who tell me? Huh? Globus pallidus, internus and externus, and it's okay. Okay, so we're gonna have paralytic rabies. This is at the end, right? It's at the end, the person can not, you know, it's spasmodic uh, function of the jaw. So if the, the person got by just very close to the head, the virus is gonna run faster than if you're just beaten in the leg because it's gonna take more time. So you will have more time to take the, this uh, uh, rich Im immuno uh, serum as a treatment. Uh, the clinical presentation, restlessness and dysphagia, they cannot drink, they cannot eat, they have paralysis, like they have vulva paralysis, they cannot uh, even drink or swallow their own saliva that is going to go and produce in many cases an aspiration leading up into a, a very bad uh, respiratory failure and death, okay? So uh, what is the pathognomonic, pathognomonic uh, uh, finding in the autopsy? Negri bodies, hence questions. Negri bodies, all of the things that you see over here, okay? Uh, not always you can find this, but in the majority of the cases, majority, majority, you have uh, uh, these uh, negri bodies. Uh, here you see how the 
the level of the basal ganglia, the lentiform nucleus is, is damaged. And of course, what happened with the basal ganglia? They're the one controlling the movement, right? Controlling the movement. So we're gonna have a spastic uh, situation in the case of this uh, rabies encephalitis patient, okay? Um, leukocytosis, you, you can find uh, signs of meningitis or encephalitis, uh, lumbar puncture, we're gonna have lymphocytic pleocytosis, as well as, uh, as in any viral uh, encephalitis. Okay, normal glucose concentration, the protein is gonna be elevated, and hemorrhagic is not very common, not even santochromic fluids, okay? Santochromic uh, cerebrospinal fluid. In the case of presumptive rabies patient, unimmunized reassurance, unimmunized non-bite uh, exposure with low infection, clean the wound, and use a multiple dose immunization protocol. You are not using a vaccine at this point. Why you use? Hyperimmune serum, okay? We are using antibodies ready-made because you don't have time to produce antibodies against rabies virus at this time. What happens when you cut a hand or a nail goes in, 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 your, in, your, in your foot. You're gonna have what? Huh? A tetanus what? Serum. You don't have the vaccine, right? Because tetanus is very fast as well. So you don't have time to produce your own antibodies at this time. That's why they're giving you, and this is a type of artificial passive immunity. Did you study immunology already? No? No? Okay, so, hey. Okay, so, uh, cleanse the wound, immunize, immunize, sorry, with any exposure with infection, clean the wound, and multiple dose immunization protocol. Symptomatic rabies, you know, Fine for the, oh, I mean, just pray, because he's, he's not gonna make it. <sighs> um, herpes simplex encephalitis, and I think we're gonna finish, is three, I oh, know it's until five, right? But we're gonna take 10 minutes break. Here we go. <laughs> Here
If you want, I stop the, the lecture here, and then you do the rest by yourself, okay? I cannot talk because if you're talking, we cannot understand each other here, right? before that herpes simplex uh, virus encephalitis is the most common, uh, I mean herpes simplex virus is the most common etiology for encephalitis, viral encephalitis. So uh, this uh, herpes simplex virus accounts for one-third of all cases uh, of encephalitis. Um, I highly suggest you to go over, I don't, uh-huh, I have a, a, a case of rabies here. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Yes. So, uh, this is for... Thank you. 
becomes quieter. He lapses into a coma, which is followed inevitably by death. Remember that uh, in the case of transplant, you don't need to be a match for the cornea, right? You don't need to be a match. Okay, so a couple of cornea were transplanted to a, to a lady, and uh, they didn't check from a cadaver. They didn't check the cadaver for any viruses and so. She died by rabies. Yeah, this happened here in the States, in California in 2017. I don't remember the, the, the year around that, okay? That's why so, you know, the, the organ banks are, needs to, to check everything thoroughly, right? Anyways, guys, um, hydrophobia, of course, is uh, fear to water is how rabies is called as well, okay? So what we do for viral central nervous system infection, um, hydration. Uh, you know what happened in the case of rabies virus? That's why I, I wanted to, to do uh, an exception over there, right? Hydration, uh, acyclovir, or depending the I mean, the majority of the cases is herpes simplex virus, so it's the one you're gonna uh, treat using the best vi antiviral uh, medication possible, right? And this uh, acyclovir, we know that it's used for herpes virus encephalitis. Uh, if you start as soon as possible the treatment, this is a life-saving uh, thing. Uh, usually is given in when the diagnosis is, is down. You don't know what type of uh, alteration you have. You're gonna give or start with an antiviral medication, in this case, uh, acyclovir. Acyclovir has uh, a serial side effects like headaches, abdominal cramps, uh, vomiting sometimes, you know, headache can give you as well. That's why uh, valacyclovir or from cyclovir are uh, much better uh, used. I'm not telling you that they don't have their side effects, but at least, um, you know, they are not, uh, you don't need to take so much from this antiviral medication as you need to take from acyclovir, okay? So, 
The option for uh, cytomegalovirus encephalitis, ganciclovir plus foscarnet and supportive care. Epstein virus encephalitis, aciclovir, ganciclovir, or cytofovir, steroids, and supportive care. By the way, in the case of rabies, steroids, they don't need to be used. It's not going to do anything. Okay? Steroids. Remember, what is the other disease we study in which we are not going to use steroids? Never. Guillain-Barre, Guillain-Barre, okay? Varicella zoster virus, encephalitis, aciclovir, ganciclovir, steroids, and supportive care. When I, I mention this supportive care, what is this? Uh, fluids, if it's necessary. Huh? What else? Huh? Pain control, vomiting control, right? Okay. So HIV infection, the antiretroviral uh, drugs, a combination of other drugs. We need to uh, wait for more complications, including dementia. Nowadays, is is not very common to see this because the effectiveness of medication and uh, every time is less and less the amount of pills they need to take, right? Uh, it's like uh, compressed medications, antiretroviral medication. Okay. Uh, brain abscess, what is that? It's a, it's a lesion, it's a brain occupying lesion. It's a suppurative collection of microbes, okay, uh, that, that has, you can say, um, a kind of uh, wall separating this suppurative collection from the rest of the brain, right? So, most often as a complication of a bacteria meningitis, okay, or maybe could be a, a, after a fungal infection as well, or a parasitic. <coughs> parasitic in the case of, who tell me? One. <coughs> parasitic people, brain ball people, come on. Cysticercosis, what is this? What is cysticercosis? Cysticercus. Is a is a kind of tenia, tenia, yeah, that you 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 get from eating, um, yes, yes, eating pork, uh, not very well cooked. So you're gonna see the the abscess in, in the brain, or you can see as well in the case of amoebian abscess. That is the third place of amoebian, um, uh, you know, abscess. Okay. We talk about this in in GI. Remember, amoeba that goes from using the to the 
Um, then the oh anyway um, epidural abscess. This this infection. Um, this uh, this uh, uh, brain abscess could be in one place, and the place or the location where the brain abscess is is gonna give the patient. Okay, neurological focalization, or neurological deficits, or not at this point, okay? But it's a, a cause for elevated intracranial pressure, okay? From where you can get sinusitis, for example, um, cochlear implantation, the same thing that we talk about, Penetrating injury in, in the head, uh, bacteremia, um, body immunity, of course. Epidural abscess is an, a collection of pus as well between the dura and the bone. Instead of epidural hemorrhage, it's an abscess. <clears throat> Usually it's a complication of uh, sinusitis or trauma, after a trauma as well. Subdural empyema, and we know empyema means pulse. Infection in the subdural space, usually secondary to frontal or ethmoidal sinus infection. Uh, one of the things that I forgot to mention as a uh, as a um, aseptic, um, um, aseptic meningitis, uh, but turning to encephalitis is as well a cantoamoeba infection. Okay, a cantoamoeba infection, this is known as a brain-eating uh, amoeba. It's a protozoan that you can get if you jump in quiet waters, like in the case of pond waters, or um, uh, you know, just places when, uh, where the, the water doesn't move enough. And the portal of entrance is across the primiform plate. Okay, when you enter, the water enter in your nose and gain entrance to the, the brain in this way. It's no cure. I think like uh, eight years ago, a boy that was a champion in baseball or something, he had it and died. He was like uh, 13 years, right, of age. Do you remember that case? Yeah. And a girl too, like in, uh, was in, uh, I don't remember, uh, was in the state, uh, the state of Florida, a little bit up north. Okay, so uh, brain abscess, what, what are the most common etiologies? Streptococcus and Staphylococcus aureus that travel from the sinuses into the brain and make this abscess, right? Uh, ear infections, bacteroids, streptococcus, pneumonia, Anemophilus, Pseudomonas aeruginosa as well, okay? So the majority of the cases you have a parasitic infection history or an ear infection history 
or a nose uh, rhinitis, infection uh, history, or uh, sinusitis history as well. One of these things. Or you have a procedure, or you have a uh, buccal sinusal communication. What is that for the teeth people over here? Yes. When you extract, when you uh, remove uh, mainly a wisdom tooth, okay, in the upper, in the in the maxillary region, when you remove this tooth, so you can open because the roots they are penetrating too much deep or whatever. You're gonna communicate the maxillary sinus to the oral cavity. Uh oh, this is very dirty, right? So here you go. Dental procedure infection, congenital heart disease, uh, endocarditis, uh, people injecting heroin, cherry needles, infection, uh, you know, infective endocarditis, uh, hemodialysis as well, all of this. Okay? And here we go. What is the characteristic enhancing ring lesion? Enhancing ring lesion. Okay? Look at this. Look at this. Okay? Over here, different cuts. Okay? This is the way. Your, your question is going to be around enhancing ring lesion. Okay? Um, where are we going to find this? Depend the site of uh, contiguous uh, infection site, right? Um, ear infection, temporal or cerebellar abscesses, posterior fossa abscesses from the ears. Okay? Then we have a cerebritis first, and then the process of infection is gonna, is gonna liquefy the area and separate the area. And this is a, it's a work by a beautiful microglia over there separating the bad from the good, okay? And then we have inside a liquefied and infected brain parenchyma. This is an abscess, okay? So uh, uh, it's a, it's, this one is, uh, look at this one over here. Okay, look at this, it's a frontal one. Huh? Maybe from something from the eyes, something from the maxillary sinus, something from the frontal sinus, right? Infection from the frontal sinus over here. And you see the ring, right? Uh, another abscess, bless you. Look at this one. Okay, fever. Yes or no, it depends, okay? Localizing focal signs, neurological focalization, depending on the site where the lesion is, hemiparesis, hemianopia, if it's very close to, you know, this uh, uh, chiasma, uh, memory deficits, cerebellar signs, Cerebellar signs. What are the cerebellar signs? Give me one. Ataxia. Ataxia. Give me another. 
Huh? Unstable gait. Give me another. Nystagmus. Give me another. Dizziness. Vertigo. Give me another. Posture and stability. Give me another. No coordination movement. Problem with the movement coordination. Very good. Everything that has to do with what, guys? With the cerebellar function. Okay? Easy, easy. Okay? Cerebellar signs. If we have this very close to the brainstem, what are we going to have? Huh? Bradyarrhythmia, tachycardia, what else? Problem with the breathing, what else? Guys, from here. Brainstem, dysartria, huh? Yes or no? Dysartria. Remember all the cranial nerves emerging from there, from the brainstem. Okay, midbrain, pons, and, and, and medulla oblongata. Okay? So, hemiparesis, hemiparesis. If I have, God forbid, a brain uh, abscess at the, let's say, the, the motor cortex at the left-hand side, where my hemiparesis is going to be? Huh? Contralateral. They could say that at the pyramid. Guys, por favor. If I have an abscess, go for me. <laughs> In the, the spine, let's say uh, the level of T1, uh, the level of T1. In the left side, what is going to happen? In my left, my left side, in my left side, because it's immediately there, so I don't have crossing anything. I, I don't cross any part, anything, at the level of the lesion and below. Okay? Oh, wait. What else? Okay, this is a um, subdural empyema uh, with the vascular compromise, and of course, all of these, a, a meningismus, sometimes is gonna happen, and messes, meningismus because it's so huge, this subdural uh, empyema, that now what happened to the intracranial pressure is elevated. So, I cannot risk to perform one, a lumbar tap, you know why? Because herniation of the brain. Herniation of the brain. You studied this in Pato already, right? Herniation? No yet? No. Okay, so malaise, fever, all of these. Guys, herniation. What happened? Look at me. We have a the, the cranial intrapressure is elevated. Elevated. So, yes. We just make a lumbar tap and drain cerebrospinal fluid. 
It's a change in pressure. Immediately, it's going to go down, right? I'm not telling you that certain tumors, of course, they're going to push, 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 because they are growing up very fast. Then they're going to push, and they're going to produce a herniation as well, okay? An inflammatory herniation. If you push more and more, what happened in the foramen magnus? We're going to see what? The cerebellum herniating there. The medulla together with the cerebellum. Let's see who's going to leave the area first. Okay? And bye-bye. Okay? So we don't, we don't do this uh, lumbar tap. Okay? No lumbar puncture. Okay, CT scan or MRI with gandolinium in, in order to visualize very well the site of infection. In chronic abscesses, CT scan, you can see the enhancing capsule, the ring over there. Treatment, if we are in the stage, we have the patient in the stage of cerebritis, antibiotic. Okay, admit the patient, use antibiotic if it's necessary, and uh, antibiotic for a long time. Adding metronidazole, why is that? Metronidazole. Huh? Anaerobic bacteria, very well. Okay, depending on the size of the axis, you can open a borehole and evacuate the abscess, for example, on a craniectomy. You need to open a, a big piece of, 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 you know, cranial bone over there. Uh, sometimes you can remove the whole thing, even the capsule. And of course, you need to treat your patient with antibiotic for a long time. Seizures are common depending where the area and the extension of the lesion, okay? We need to use prophylactic anticonvulsant. Valproate, for example, can be used, okay? And follow up the patient for at least 12 months. Okay? And of course, you need to follow up this lesion with what? With MRI or with CT scan. Okay? Crossfell Jacob disease. It's a prion disease. Prion are not, um, they are fragments. Okay? Fragments. There are no viruses, they are not anything. They are prime. Prion. Prion is the proper way. Okay? Uh, the beef is giving you that, right? Mad cow disease is also known, this uh, disease as a mad cow disease. The survival, when you have a diagnosis, is less than a year. In the case of sporadic crossfield Jacob disease, okay? Um, in the case of acquired <laughs> crossfeyeco disease, because you eat something that was not good. But we have some other. This, you don't need to remember this one. Huh? 
sporadic Crossfeld-Jacob disease. This is idiopathic. Uh, people, they don't sleep. It's a, it's a chronic, you know, it's a genetic prion disease. It's a chronic insomnia. They don't, they don't, they don't sleep, okay? Uh, this, this infection, they have um, a lot of motor coordination. They have uh, a neurodegenerative uh, condition that goes from, you know, sensory, I mean, motor dysfunction and uh, progressive dementia, and they die, okay? Acute non-inflammatory encephalopathy is also known as a Ray syndrome, okay? The CSF, uh, the cerebrospinal fluid, when you study it, is negative, okay, in these cases. Uh, you see an inflammation or edema in the brain without any inflammatory cell infiltrate. There is uh, hepatic dysfunction. Why, you know, this person is having, or this little one is having an hepatic dysfunction? Because the transaminase, all these uh, uh, hepatic uh, function transaminases are elevated. Ammonia serum is elevated as well. The liver is positive for fatty infiltration. And you don't have another thing else. Okay? It's based on the base of the diagnosis. We need to, uh, you know, have a, a good knowledge of what were happening with this uh, little one. Um, you know, any uh, respiratory, upper respiratory tract infection, or any sore throat, or any other uh, situation that was treated with NSAIDs, for example. Um, which, which NSAIDs? Aspirin, right? We need to uh, name the NSAID. Aspirin. Salicylates, any other salicylates, a, a, a little one with diarrhea that you give them Pepto-Bismol, for example, you're killing it, okay? Pepto-Bismol is not for kids. No, no, no. Uh, they present, what is the presentation? Profuse vomiting, protective vomiting, altered mental status, uh, they, uh, this mental status uh, ranging from personality changes to coma. Um, and this happened in children uh, from 5 to 40 years, sort of, associated with the recent viral infection and use of uh, salicylates for, you know, uh, treat the fever and uh, this kind of uh, malaise they have. Uh, influenza of uh, chicken pox epidemics of these. Uh, when you have this uh, influenza chicken pox, you're gonna see uh, uh, an increased incidence of Rice syndrome because the use of this medication, okay? Encephalopathy in a child after exposure to 
salicylates at time of fever. It's extremely rare, but can happen is a question in your pants for sure. Okay, affects all organs, can lead to a multi-organ uh, failure. Often uh, it's gonna be misdiagnosed as encephalitis, meningitis, or diabetes, or drug overdose, or uh, I don't know, taking uh, a poison, and the sudden infant syndrome, or psychiatric illness, or whatever, okay? Has two phases. The first one is abnormal accumulation uh, of fat that develop in the, in the liver, leading to hepatomegaly, uh, severe increase of intracranial pressure with this infiltration that is not cellular infiltration, it's just a edema in the brain. And then uh, if, if we don't treat them, they going to die. Okay, stage one, no, no fever, okay, vomiting, uh, they don't listen, they are fatigued, they suffer from drowsiness, and the stage two, you're gonna see the encephalopathic condition, like the personality uh, changes, irritability, irrational behavior, everything that you want to mention because an encephalopathic condition, okay? This can lead to uh, uh, seizures that lead to convulsions and uh, they die, okay? Uh, of course, what do we want to check? We need to check the liver function panel, right? They have hypoglycemia, elevate ALT, elevate AGP, uh, it's, it's huge and you don't see jaundice, elevate ammonia, ele increase prothrombin, metabolic acidosis, uh, we need to check for the serum electrolytes, then CMP needs to be checked serum glucose, uh, uh, urinalysis, because we need to make sure that it's not a what? Any drug or any other alcohol thing. It's not a, a children drinking alcohol on the side because alcoholic patient. Uh, we need to perform uh, as, as well ABGs, cranial CT scan, lumbar uh, tap with analysis of cerebrospinal fluid, not in the presence of a well-established elevated intracranial pressure, okay? Liver biopsy is gonna tell you a lot and metabolic testing. It's a medical emergency. The little one needs to be uh, treated right away. We need to protect the brain against the, this irreversible damage that can produce an encephalopathic condition. Uh, treat the edema with manitol, with loose diuretics, seizure pre uh, precautions as well. Uh, 
in an intracranial pressure and elevated edema, uh, the neuroprotection needs to be established and nicardipine is very good for, for that. Okay? If something happened because it's, uh, it's bleeding or so, remember, the liver is not functioning well, so the clotting factors are bad. Uh, offer, we need to uh, use uh, fresh pla frozen plasma, uh, vitamin K, of course, because we don't have liver, uh, you know, storage in the storage of the vitamin K, and uh, as well offer uh, platelets, concentration, concentration of platelets. Uh, make sure that you are keeping the airway and watch the saturation of oxygen, okay? Um, the, remember that it's possible to develop this right syndrome without taking aspirin. Uh, if you're suspicious and you are that the little one is having right syndrome or Ray syndrome and you are in a consultation place, you need to call the 911 and take the little one to the hospital to be treated. Is the severity of this Ray syndrome according to the dose? According to the amount of of uh, medication, of course, of course, yes, totally. Okay, when they are treated in early stages, they're gonna make it, okay? Uh, all of this topical medication, all of this contain in one point or another salicylates even though you are not giving aspirin to little one, okay? All of the things. I mean, it, I, I don't pretend you, you learned this by memory. Okay? But uh, when, when you finish your, your PA and you're working in pediatrics in a consultation office, have in mind all of this. Just printed the, <laughs> printed the, the slide and have it with you. Yes? Like little ones, like up to 12 years old, eight years old, or, or 15, like around what age? Uh, I mean, uh, until 15, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Okay. All of these contain something that can give them uh, the race syndrome. Okay. This is more. All of the things. No, no for children. Any of them. Okay, any of them. Um, what is this? Who read that? Vamos. Who want to read this? Okay. A 22-year-old college student is brought to the emergency department after he was found unarousable by his roommates this morning. He had complaints of a severe headache last night. His temperature is 39.5 degrees Celsius. Physical uh, examination reveals no rigidity and hitting PA over both legs. 
chest x-ray is unremarkable. After conoscopic examination, a lumbar puncture is performed. CSF appears cloudy. Lab studies on CSF sample show. On microscopic examination, no bacteria or fungal organisms are detected in CSF. Which of the following is the most likely positive pathogen, and what is the management? Okay. Who wants to answer that? Okay, Thompson? Neisseria. Meningitis. Uh, what are you going to do? I know you're very fresh, but how are you going to treat this? Guys. Not hexamethasone at this point. Because you have, uh, I mean, look at this. A physical exam, you see this in the leg, right? What are you going to do? Huh? Benko. Benko. What else? Plus septriaxone. You can add it. What else you going to do? Leave it. Where are you going to use this in the park? In the parking lot? Over there? Ah, you're meeting where? To the OR? Okay, infectious disease. Uh, what else are you going to do? Uh, um, to with the rest of the patient over there. Right? With the rest of the patient together with the one on the side that is having a stentrol and the other in the ICU isolation. What else are you going to do? No. Todavía. He's vomiting and so. Huh? What are those? So friend, what else? For pain. What are you going to use for pain? Is vomiting. IV what? Or intramuscular what? Ketorolab. Guys. Ketorolab. Huh? Yeah, headset. It's an IV headset. Get Any other opinion? What else? What else are you going to use? Fluids. What else? What else are you going to do? Okay, now we finish with this uh, 2022 20, college student. Now we need to do what immediately? Report. Report. What else we gonna do? Chuchito, Joseito, Camilito, and the girlfriend. They need to take what? Prophylaxis. What prophylaxis? But the, the girlfriend is pregnant. <laughs> the girlfriend is pregnant. Huh? Septriaxon. Oh, but you know what? This train, 
No. Is resistant to subjection. Okay, good. Yeah, this is the thing. Okay, the management is, you know, supportive measure, immediately antibiotics. Uh, I gave you everything. This is a kind of question that after fundoscopic examination, a lumbar puncture is performed. Okay? Because if not, mm. okay. Uh, we have some of the meningitis versus encephalitis here. How are you gonna, uh, you know, differentiate one from the other? Uh, here, what disease states have high opening pressures? Opening pressures that the cerebrospinal fluid is gonna be very uh, in a high pressure. Look at this, a bunch of them. And it process that blocks one, cerebrospinal fluid resorption, reabsorption by the arachnoid granulation. Okay? Or increases or obstructs the venous outflow pathway. Okay? All of this can cause one, elevated intracranial pressure and by, you know, Consequence, we're going to have an elevated opening pressure, okay? Opening is when you access to the cerebrospinal fluid when you're performing a lumbar tap, okay? What else we're going to see over here? Idiopathic intracranial hypertension. I don't know why the, what the cause is at this point. Cerebrovenous sinus thrombosis. The one that we talked back in the days at that summer. <laughs> okay, intracranial or spinal mass. Okay, scaring inflammation after meningitis, after a subarachnoid hemorrhage, for example. All of these scary tissue over there. Uh, arterial venous malformations can elevate as well the opening, the opening pressure. Superior vena cava syndrome, of course. Okay, what else? Elevated right heart pressure. Huh? That elevate and so on. Okay, we have, so, uh, Hypervitaminosis A, Addison's, and you know the cause. Why are we gonna have an uh, increased uh, opening pressure? Hypoparathyroidism, and you know the cause, why this happened. And some medications like tetracyclines, nitrofurantoin, uh, one of the cases, the case in the SIM hospital the other day, remember with the, the lady that was treated from the, with nitrofurantoin? Mm. Nalidixic acid, that is so good to treat what? Nalidixic acid, to treat what? Five points, huh? UTI, yeah, but another thing that is 
uh, sometimes it's very resistant to be treated. Shigellosis. Amiodarone, cyclosporin, systemic and topical steroids. You see how things that go in there come around again to you guys? Okay, it's, it's like uh, the same thing you know is going to be asked and asked again and again. So uh, it's so interesting. So you, you have your cerebral um, spinal fluid findings. Uh, look at Guillain-Barre over here. Clear, yellow. yellow. Uh, this one, I have this one for not the last, the next one, but the other lecture. Okay, we're gonna go over the vascular, the strokes, the TIA, transient ischemic attack. We're gonna study as well the, the strokes, the hemorrhagic and the ischemic stroke. Okay, and some other things. Fun, uh, fungal of TB, meningitis. In the case of tuberculosis, cerebrospinal fluid, have you ever washed the rice? This is the color for the cerebrospinal fluid in the tuberculosis uh, meningitis. I know there is a lot of things that I have in my mind. Okay, you have the presentation. You have what to ask. You have the causative agent. You have the vaccination. You have the treatment of every single thing that we talk about today. Okay? Everything is over here. If you want to go and check it more, you have the current 2022. Okay? Or you have the neuroanatomy, basic of no neuroanatomy, the uh, neurology basics in, in uh, uh, access medicine. Okay, suggested therapy for ages that cause encephalitis. You don't need to know this. Just for your information, the one that is going to love one, infectious diseases with Professor Hernandez. Okay, and you have a summary at the end. Okay, headache, fever, meningismus. What meningismus is? Nuka rigidity, right? Kernica Brutinski positive. Kernic, Kernic, knee. K, knee. Brutinski. Okay, the neck. Kernic with the knee. For tomorrow, lab, uh, SIM hospital. Oh. Okay, for tomorrow, SIM hospital, guys. Go and check it out, Guillain-Barre. But not in the PowerPoint. Just have a look a very, a, a, very, a, a little bit deeply of the Guillain-Barre in the current and older literature. Don't kill the patient, please. Don't kill the patient. Do you remember how to do an spirometry? Or you forgot this part? Because it's one of the things we need to do, right? Oh my God! Oh my God! I just try, trying, guys, to to keeping you alive. 
Okay. More of the summary here. Okay. And when to admit. Cryptococcal neoformans, HIV patient maybe, Hodgkin lymphoma, long-term corticosteroid therapy, solid organ transplant, and taking Imuran. Okay, that is an immunosuppressor drug or other uh, suppressor drugs around. Okay. In the CSF, you're gonna find um, doing this this PCR, you're gonna find the cryptococcal capsular antigen, and you can culture as well. Okay. Patients that are AIDS, suffer from AIDS, often they have the antigen in both CD respina fluid and the serum, and they have as well an extra meningeal disease, and I just asking you to remember your um, pulmonology, okay? In the lungs, in the blood, in the urinary tract, that was the other day, right? The treatment, amphotericin B, which one? The liposomal one. Followed by fluconazole. This medication, you're gonna have some of these in, in the near future with pharmacology. And the addition of flucytosin. Let me tell you, the toxicity with this antifungal medication is very common. Okay, when to admit the patient? with suspected acute meningitis, with encephalitis, with brain or paraspinous abscess. All the time you need to admit this patient. What for? For origin evaluation and treatment. Okay, less urgency to admit patient with a chronic meningitis, for example. Okay. Just admit them to, you know, expedite some other together diagnosis that can appear uh, when they suffer from these chronic meningitis. And uh, meningitis, encephalitis, Ray syndrome, and you have this table over here. Uh, let's go a little bit on the, but before you need to take 10 minutes more. Okay, thank you so much. Ay Dios mío, por Dios.